like green light, green light. That's a payday. Come up on a lick. That's a payday. Come across a brick. That's a payday. Papa getting rich. That's a payday. So this is our second installment in our focus on benefits and health insurance. And my guest today is Brad Heater with Oswald. And I want to tell a story that's pretty recent. Um, I was at a networking event and I got into a good conversation with a person who reports to Brad. And I was basically just telling him about my approach to doing networking and doing one-to-ones with folks and you know, just being myself and my whole goal is that they leave there with one thing, and that is to know that I am passionate about payroll. And your report said, Brad, that is exactly how you are. That describes you to a T as you are the most passionate person about health insurance, about being a health broker and being in the group space. So, Brad, why are you so passionate? There's a number of reasons, right? First of all, I think when you look at it from the perspective that health insurance touches your employees and their families 24-7, and it's the only time that an employer actually and what their benefits offering brings to the table touches those employees all the time, when they're home, when they're sleeping, whatever, right? Because it's health insurance. Yep. Anything can happen anytime. So the second part of that uh a couple parts, but the second part being it's generally the second or third largest expense that an employer has. And I enjoy working with the employer to come up with strategies to best manage the expense through mitigation risk, uh, as well as coming up with and teaming with organizations such as yours to improve the employee engagement experience, right? Because it's called employee benefits. Yep. Yep. And health insurance has gotten to the point where it's so expensive and necessarily employers have been doing more cost shifting to employees that employees are, and deductibles are rising, all this stuff that employees aren't necessarily seeing it as a benefit any longer. They're seeing it, oh man, it's a drag, right? And I like switching that narrative for employers. Thirdly, uh, I've worked in a factory. I've pressed the button yep. when I was much younger. And this allows me to have a different experience every day. So I come into the office and there's a new challenge. There's a uh, new circumstance, something else that I have to address. And I have to use my mind and be creative and critically think about solutions. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I do share a lot of that with what I do. Um, the ability to help people and educate people on Topics they typically don't like, but they have to know about healthcare, kind of like taxes in that same respect. Mm -hmm. So I can definitely appreciate that. So, so you started in a factory, okay? So and you mentioned that, or not you started, but you worked in a factory. Tell me about what led you into you know getting into Oswald. Like when did you first? You know, how did you end up in group group health insurance? Did you have other sales roles before that? How did you get there? So it's a long winding road to Oswald. So I've been with Oswald now for four years, but I've been doing employee benefits for 20 years. Okay. So I am 44 years old. My daughter turns 25 tomorrow. Okay. okay. I'll be married for 25 years in July. So 
got married after my daughter was born. So still together. People say that's awesome. That's awesome, though. People say you made it. I said, eh, we're making it. Um, so it's a it's always a work in progress. But I was 19 yep. when I got married. Right. Yeah. Nine days before. You had I to grow up 20. pretty quickly. Had to grow up pretty quickly. So I worked in a factory for four and a half years, 58 hours a week. Uh, and did that when I went, while I went to school at night, supporting a family and about a month and a half before I graduated college, I got a job, my first job in insurance and I was doing personal lines stuff like really basic paperwork and checking endorsements to make sure the auto change yeah. was done. Right. Yep. From there, they, you know, I went into account management pretty quick, like working with people on their home and auto insurance. And they noticed that I had a knack for kind of uh, cross-selling, upselling. Yes. So the agency I was with at the time created this position uh, for personal line sales guy. It yes. didn't exist before. It was kind of just like, uh, forgive the term, a bastard child. Personal lines was for the organization. Yeah. And I really helped turn that around. We became a great profit center for the organization. And then I was commuting 40 minutes to the office. And it just so happened that a job came up within the organization. I was working like 72 hours a week, busting my tail to do really well. And a job came up in the organization in employee benefits sales in the town in which I lived, right? So I wouldn't have to commute to one of our that other locations. Yeah. So I got in touch with the guy, the regional manager for that territory and said, I'm interested in conversation, sat down for some uh, Cokes, Diet Cokes, whatever, at a restaurant. And he hired me or moved me into that position on the spot and been here ever since. So worked That's for that organization for like seven and a half years. What, what city was that in? Was that here in Cincinnati? Or was no, it wasn't. So that was Fremont, Ohio, home, okay. of, home of Charles Woodson. Oh, yeah. Uh, come on, Some other people. Rutherford B. Hayes. Yeah, we don't like Charles knows. Woodson anymore in Ohio. But. I mean, <laughs> no. I played basketball with him when he dunked the ball from the foul line at a pickup game. Uh, I When I was like a freshman, wow. he was going into his senior year after he committed to Michigan. I picked up my ball and I left. I said, I don't belong here. Um, so... That was an interesting experience, right? But worked for them for seven, seven and a half years. My previous employer, I moved to Cincinnati 15 years ago, roughly. Okay. My wife got her master's degree in nursing and she got a position down here at one of the hospitals and they moved us and uh, worked for with my previous firm for 10 years and now Oswald for four. So. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's not a traditional story at all. And you're kind of like not like I'm very different than my story. You know, I'm, I think I'm more a traditional salesperson where I, uh, it was just a very loud mouth, extroverted, talkative person who, um, screwed around a lot and then, and then ended up in sales cause it's a good way to, to make money to pay student loans. But I like your story a lot cause you, you, you had a kid young and you, you felt the need to grow up very quickly and make a lot of money to provide for your family. I'm glad I would have probably screwed that up at 19, the version of me that was 19. So, Oh, I screwed I, up a lot of things, but <laughs> made it through. That's, that's awesome. And then, you know, you, you, you were able to find that you were good at upselling because, you know, you were an expert and they noticed like he's good at this, but it's almost like you were outperforming their expectations based, based on what they know about you. And I, I think I do tell people who get in, who want to get into sales. I say it's, 
you know, I'm succeeding and I'm still in it, not because I'm, I'm loud and I'm talkative. That's nothing to do with it. A lot of it is, I always say, it's about being able to handle rejection and move on and keep working and grinding and um, not having an emotional response to that. I think that's where a lot of young people fail in sales mm-hmm. who think they can do it just because they're friendly and they got a big network and, and it's all about networking and things like that. I, I disagree. It sounds like you came to similar uh, you know, understanding with um, how you've excelled in your sales career by also similar style as me. Like, would you say that you're more of an expert on the process and you like to go solve the problem more? Like what, what, what are some of the, the sales processes that have helped you do better at your job the sales trainings you've had that you like? Sure. So going back a second on what I think drives successful people in sales, um, I didn't have a choice. I had to succeed. I could not fail because if I failed, I failed my family. Right. Yeah. So that was my motivation. That's always been my motivation. Uh, so that's where my drive comes from. But when it go, when you're talking about, how I've progressed in my role. I took a personality test a long time ago, one of those like four quadrant tests and I broke it. (laughs) So they, they were like, you are weird because you're testing on both opposite sides. You're an analytical extrovert. And they were like, we don't see that. And it's true. I approach issues from a logical standpoint. I'm a checklist guy. I want to make sure I'm checking all the boxes. I put together processes and procedures in my head to address things. So I'm not missing steps. I'm following through when I'm supposed to, I'm consistent, I'm persistent, pleasantly. So hopefully, and I hopefully I'm personable. Okay. So that's really kind of my secret to sales. Uh, and it doesn't have to be the same for everybody. That's just the way I'm good at it. Uh, and you know, trying to now managing five direct reports mentioned earlier yes. when, before we started recording a bit younger, uh, on the younger side, the motivation first question I ask every one of them is what do I need to hold you accountable to? What are you self-aware enough about as your weakness that I need to hold you accountable to? That's good. That's awesome. One of my guys is an emotional guy. High highs, low lows. And I knew what his response was going to be. And his response was, you kind of got to be, you got to kind of have like a cornerbacks mentality. Like you get burned for the deep touchdown. You got to forget that and pick off the next pass that comes your direction, right? Yep. And so I have to really watch and manage him to ensure that he's celebrating his highs Right. Yes. But when he loses, he realizes it's not a no, it's just a not right now. Yep. That's a not. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. It is is true. And you don't learn that early in your sales career Mm -hmm. is you start to think like if you don't close that deal immediately, uh, it's it's done. But it it's not. And I I knew you had that approach because like, you know, I've been on this search talking to other health brokers and I learned about this thing. Um, that's big in payroll now, you know, basically what's, what's out there is carriers are now, you know, helping provide additional money to help deal with the cost of implementing HCM and, you know, payroll where, where HCM providers, where the employee database were involved in benefits. And now they're offering this thing called tech credits. And, and it was kind of new 
to payroll partners to learn about this about a year ago because we're, we're mostly traditionally have been in the small business space, but we're moving up. We're getting more groups that are well over 100. And, you know, so learning about tech credits, um, you were right on it. Like you mm. knew exactly what it was talking about. You talked about how you built that into your process. And I was just so impressed because basically like I found myself having to educate some of your peers on what this thing is. And um, so tell tell my audience who may not know what are tech credits and, and mm -hmm. why should every business be thinking about this um, around benefits? One, don't pay for things yourself when you can find somebody else to pay for it for you. Always good advice. Always good advice, right? Yep. So that's number one. The insurance carriers, mostly on the ancillary side uh, and sometimes a lot on the supplemental voluntary benefits side, they will assist an employer with paying for things like a Ben Admin system, a full HRIS type system, because it improves the efficiency on their end. If we can set up a feed, a 360 feed, where an employee makes an election through a Ben Admin site, an HRIS site tied to payroll or independent or whatever the case may be, and that fee, that employee makes that election, that fee goes automatically to the carrier, uploads into their system, makes the change, and they don't have to touch it. Yep. Right? Yep. So by offering to help employers pay to get over a hurdle of a cost for a data feed or the cost for a Ben Admins Ben Admin system or through payroll or whatever, um, they're improving the efficiencies on their own end and lowering their own cost of labor. That's it. They're, they're not doing it altruistically. Yep. They're doing it for themselves, but if it helps me, helps my clients, that's great. So, so supplemental carriers that do like your, you know, the Aflac style products that most people know what you mean when you say that, that the health broker doesn't like me. Kleenex to tissues, like Aflac to supplemental yeah. benefits. A, yeah. lot, a lot of those type of carriers will help pay some additional commission to, to back to the client or does it come or does it come to us? I, yeah. So it's different. Um, each carrier can be different and you can structure differently. So you can have the, uh, the dollars sent back to the client as a credit on their bill, right? Yep. You can have the dollars sent directly to the vendor itself, the payroll vendor or HDMI or HRIS system. Uh, our team, we actually have internally, a team of specialists in marketing communication people that will help build these sites and help create or build the feeds and manage this. And we have some systems that were resellers of that we really kind of caretake on behalf of our clients. And so sometimes to help us offset that cost, that will be paid and then put to the P&L on that side of our team. No, that's awesome. And I mean, in, in, in the payroll HCM business, our software UKG can do all this stuff, but mm -hmm. it, it does cost extra. Um, I do talk to a lot of HR folks who um, have been doing HR for a while. And traditionally, they have always owned the process of a new hires enrolled or it's open enrollment. You got the whole company. You know, my wife is in HR. I would, you know, it ruined, you know, Christmases and New Year's Eve because she's got to get all the open enrollment data into all the different carriers her company was on. <coughs> and she would own that. And 
you know, so now there's technology out there that can basically handle this fully for you, for the for the busy HR person who I'm sure could, you know, find some things to do with recruiting with their time to get more people at your company. Mm-hmm. So why, why is it that so many businesses are still letting their HR people do this manually on each individual website instead of making these small investments with companies like me or even other benefit softwares? And then in some cases getting, you know, a large percentage of it reimbursed through tech credits. Why do you think that is? You wouldn't believe it in today's day and age. But a lot of employers believe that a number of their employees, especially in more blue collar sectors, aren't tech savvy enough to be able to manage a an online enrollment process. And I always kind of come back and I'm like, understand, this is going to help you, by the way, to the HR person. Let me kind of phrase it to you this way. If another employer offered them $5 more an hour, but they had to figure out how to on- enroll online, you think they'd figure it out? And they would, yep. right? I mean, that's yep. just, that's basic. And what is it? 90 for 5% of all U.S. adults have one of these things, a smartphone. Oh, oh yeah. And every one of these systems now have been adjusted to be very user-friendly on a smartphone. So they don't need to have that broadband high-speed internet access at home. They don't have to worry about going to a library to do their enrollment. A lot of employers will set up kiosks in their offices, right, for some employees, but they can do it all right here on their phone. Sorry, I hit the mic. (laughs) So um, with all that, Mm -hmm. and I love your background, so I'm going to go a little deeper into that. I ask every guest on my show this question. So... Being a pay, being the payday podcast, what was your first payroll job? And, you know, maybe what did you what did you make? What what were some of the lessons that you learned at it? And I am looking for that first job where you actually pay taxes, not not yeah. your under the table gig. So do you remember what that is? I do. So grew up dirt poor. Mom was a waitress. When I was 14 years old, which is the earliest you can get a permit to work, right? I did. Yep. And I started working at a bus boy on the week as a bus boy on the weekends at her restaurant. And because I was a bus boy, I had no tips, right? I got minimum wages at like three twenty five an hour or something. Yep. I guess I am that old. Uh and you got tips though. That's not I didn't get tips. You not as a bus boy. Oh, no. Not as a bus boy. No. You didn't get tipped out? Mm-mm. Oh man, that's a no I, I didn't just, get that's some models that they don't do that. Some old school restaurants don't have those servers tip it, out the busboys. It was an old fashioned country restaurant, like yeah. out in the country on a highway kind of thing. So, yeah. but so yeah, I paid normal. I mean, I didn't pay income taxes because I didn't make anything, but yeah. I did pay the FICA matching and all that stuff. Yeah. So, what were some of the things busting your butt at that restaurant, cleaning all those tables? What are some of the things that you learned that you still use today? Work ethic. I mean, okay. you're you're busting your tail because I was the only bus boy on on staff when I was working. Right, my job was so waitresses. They want to turn tables, yeah, because the more tables they turn, the more money they make because they get more people sitting in their section or whatever. So if I wasn't cleaning off and said getting the tables set up right in a timely manner, I was costing them money. Yeah, it didn't just affect me. Now I'm 14 years old. Did I realize quite all that at the time? Probably not. But I did realize that they were 
pushing me, like get this cleaned up, get this yeah. moved, get this back there, get get the table bust and all that stuff. So it does help put into perspective that everything we do affects people around us. So that built your ability to be a team player mm-hmm. to basically, you know, which you could have been a better team player if they would have tipped you out. Cause that's, that's a, I just, I, and this is I literally a few weeks Money ago. Money is the motivator. Yeah. I might, I have a, like a niece in my family who was working as a busser and they weren't getting tipped out. And I was like, you get, there's a million restaurants you can go work at, go get tipped out for doing that type of work. But anyway, that's, that's great though. You, you learn that value as a team, you know, speaking of that, um, you know, you referenced football, you played football as well. Yep. Um, so I like to ask everybody um, who comes on. So look at a business as a, uh, a football team and pick any position on a football team, defense, offense, special teams. What position do you think the health broker represents? Okay. So my client is the owner GM, right? Okay. So I would say I'm not a position player, honestly. My role on our team within Oswald is more so as the coach, the head coach. My job is to make sure all of the members of the team know their role, know their responsibility, and know that they need to execute their role and responsibility for the team as a whole to be successful. Football is the ultimate team sport. You get one person that doesn't do their job, and the whole play gets blown up. Right. Correct. So my job is to make sure that my client manager, who I would say is probably the quarterback of the team, mm-hmm. I develop strategy, the game plan with the employer, uh, client manager, quarterback has input, you know, quarterbacks do these days. Correct. But their job is to execute the, the plan on the field, right? Gotcha. Make sure it happens and then coordinate the rest of the team members to make sure they're in the right p- position and running the right place. So, I want to ask you this one question before we we end. Um, You bring up risk. You use risk a lot and how you differentiate yourself from other health brokers. Mm -hmm. I have a workers comp background. So that word means something probably completely different to me than it might to you. When you say that you are like a risk consultant in your role, like can you elaborate a little bit more about how that plays into how you differentiate yourself from other health brokers? Absolutely. So, when Oswald was recruiting me, yeah, I had a book of business, had residual income. I worked at that place for 10 years. Is like, why Oswald? The ex- explanation was we manage risk for our clients. We are risk managers. We are not just a quote-unquote broker. Yes, the, defin- the technical definition of what we are is a broker, but a broker helps facilitate the purchase of a product. Right. In this case, it's employee benefits. Glorified shopper. Glorified shopper. Glorified shopper. That process needs to be handled well and timely so your wife isn't on, you know, New Year's Eve trying to send in enrollments to the carriers, that kind of thing. But our role, the way we manage risk differently, is we're helping our clients do that throughout the year. Right. So we're helping mitigate risk. We're helping transfer risk off the plan, evacuate it from the plan. So that way, just like on your commercial insurance side of things, when we get to the point where we have to function as a broker, we're presenting a preferred risk to the marketplace. So we're getting the best possible outcome for you. So there's a lot of misconceptions from employers out there that if they're ever going to evaluate their broker partnership, their advisor relationship, that they want to do that around their renewal time. Worst time to do it. 
right? Because you're up against it. And there's not a lot, there's not as much, I can do some things, but there's not as much as I can do uh, as if I take over early after your renewal, right? To positively impact the upcoming renewal and marketing outcomes, right? So the earlier you work with, whomever that broker may be that you think is going to best manage your risk after your renewal period, the more impact, the more positive the impact they're going to have. If you like some of those strategies and put those in place earlier on in the plan year, that's going to have a most positive impact going into that renewal cycle. Numbers people tend to, to love this concept and being proactive and evaluating their risk. I feel like you, you mentioned I, I, before we started recording, I was talking about HR people and, and mm-hmm. how we both deal with HR folks. And you you kind of like right away were like, don't underestimate how important it is to bring the CFO into this. And I could tell with your guys' approach at Oswald, you're going to appeal to the CFO's you know way of thinking about the big picture of the financials of the business more so than just some of the little you know the getting it done stuff that the hr manages day to day so i I definitely see why you like talking you probably push them into your meetings a lot a lot of times with with uh with folks yeah i'm not diminishing the hr's role they have a very oh yeah i absolutely sorry to my my (laughs) wife and my sister and my brother they're all in hr i I would not do that either no i mean they're the engine that makes companies run yeah right and during economic time downturns, because a lot of organizations don't see them as revenue drivers, there are a lot of times the departments that are cut first, and that's a business cutting their nose off in spite their in spite of their face, right? That's my belief. HR people are intricate to the culture and how an employer is going to be productive throughout, right? Because they drive all that. Where we need to engage and have the CFO more involved is they have the P&L responsibilities. Oftentimes, though, they advocate the responsibility to manage the health insurance plan to somebody in HR. And HR people are competent in everything, but a CFO needs to be involved. They can tell you the margin on everything. They can tell you the cost of putting this widget together and what our end profit margin, every nut bolt, everything that's included in this thing. They can tell you every little number in that widget, right? But when it comes to their second or third largest expense, they're kind of like, my HR person handles that and then I'm involved in the decision in the end. It's not exactly the best way, in my opinion, to manage your second or third largest expense as an organization. You should know your numbers. That's good. And that's why you're a coach. And that's why you see your role as a partner with that company. And sometimes mm-hmm. you have to push them into thinking about things a little bit di- differently. You can't just get angry. You got that high renewal and then put it on, you know, blame the government and, and right. the carriers and everybody else is the villain. If you're not even looking at the big picture of your own risk. So um, I think you are probably a great coach and on people's health, probably a great coach in life. I, I like listening to you. You've got one of those like life coach kind of voices. I don't know if anybody's ever told you that. No, but... nobody has ever told me that. So nobody so... likes hearing the sound of their own voice. So when I hear, <laughs> when I see this, it's going to. Oh, you're, you're, you're good. You're good. You should not feel that way. So, but for my audience, if you find yourselves and your business team needing a coach on your health insurance and on your benefits, and you want to analyze that whole, the whole risk, then you need to go talk to my, my friend, Brad Heater over at Oswald. Thanks for talking to me today, Brad. Thank you, sir.
a VIP, that's a payday.